section twenty nine of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org read by ruhi huck mrs diamond by anne isabella thackeray ritchie book three chapter five almsgiving in that new world which is the old as the actors pass across the stage of life and play their respective parts it is not difficult at the outset to docket them with their different characters a soldier a parson an artist a lawyer a lover a heroine a lawgiver a widow and so forth but presently after the play has gone on for a little while on the stage of life it is not the play that ends but the actors who come and go we begin to see that although some of us may be suited to our parts there are others whose natures are ill-fitted to their role and very often we find the performers suddenly playing away in their own natural characters instead of those which they are supposed to represent to the very great confusion of the drama which is going on here is the lawyer making love to his client instead of drawing up her will the parson fighting his bishop instead of guarding his flock the soldier preaching sermons the actor taking his part in serious earnest and blessing his people with unction a hundred instances come to one's mind of fiddlers and tailors set to rule great kingdoms with what tragic ill-luck alas we all remember was not one mechanism born to a throne whose life paid for his idiosyncrasies and again have we not heard of a spinoza patiently at work upon his lenses earning his daily pittance a true king among men one whose wise and noble thoughts still rule the succeeding generations other instances will occur to us all of travesties still more incongruous a priest serving his king before his god a poet with wilder blood and genius than his compeers sitting with them at st stephen's upon a dusty cushion which he presently flings in their faces and in generous wrath and excitement goes off to die fighting for liberty under the blue sky of greece when max to park the son of a dreamer and of a downright and practical woman found himself started in life in the little studio at the end of his mother's garden he was certainly to blame in that he did not keep with peaceful devotion to the career into which fate had launched him with so little effort on his own part his engravings were excellent but still more so were his etchings boldly worked out remarkable for their force their colour and such a term may often be used with justice even where black and white alone are used he had received his red ribbon with the rest of them for work done during the last two years for medals gained at exhibitions for etchings some of which were now hanging in gilt frames at st cloud among the eagles among others he had worked for money as well as for love the day before susanna seeing one of his most successful prints in a shop window had blushed up painfully and looked away du pare saw her turn crimson he guessed that she had recognized his work he felt as if he could gladly tear the picture with its insolent bachantes from its place and destroy it then and there for ever susy guessed what was passing in his mind i have never lived among artists she said i know there are many things i do not understand but i have lately learnt she added gently how beautiful how wonderful it all is and i shall always be grateful to you for teaching joe 
and du pare turned a searching look upon her though he did not answer perhaps if his art had meant less to him it might have led him further still it was something beyond colour beyond form that he wanted in his work as in his life which flaunted him at times and made him ashamed of mere clever successes all this moralizing equally applied to my heroine susanna a woman of natural aptitude and impressionability placed by no unkind fate in a peaceful and prosperous position and now the moment had come when she was to play her touching part of a mourning dido no longer and lo flinging away the veils and the dignity of widowhood wiping the natural tears she found herself true to her nature not false to her past alive not dead as she imagined existing still not having ceased to feel a human being not an image in a looking-glass not remembering only but submitting to the great law of life which is stronger and less narrow than any human protest and lamentation once more mrs diamond was leaning from her high window impatiently scanning the figures coming and going along the pavement why did he keep them the day was passing the hours were waning she was the most impatient of the party there sat joe absorbed in his painting he was trying to copy the great blue china pot he had brought home from the quay and the pink poppies that tempy had stuck into it with their blue shadows and their silver green leaves joe had a natural taste for still life his stepmother was grateful beyond words to those squares of colour to those never-failing interests of form of light arrangement which interested him she herself had no such natural gift she was all the more glad when joe under du pare's guidance had tried his hand at art mrs diamond was less pleased when she heard her stepson announcing that he had also adopted some of monsieur caron's doctrines joe had met caron once or twice at the studio where the good old man used to call with the various handbills and tricolour announcements which he was having printed to herald the coming look tempy who had wanted to start half an hour before now sat half asleep upon the red couch with its red cushions the faint aroma of the poppies in the sunlight seemed to taint the drowsy air in the little room where time passed to the slow ticking of the clock and where apollo in his car was forever galloping beneath his crystal dome little phrasie was in the next room also sleeping on the bed with drawn curtains when the heat of the day was over henrietta wilkins was to take her into the tuileries gardens close by it was her pride to sit there at her work and to hear the people admire the little cherubim while she piled her gravel pies at her nurse's knee mrs diamond had insisted on waiting for her mother and du pare as the flood of people passed on down below in vain she scanned the figures seeking for the persons for whom she looked a vague sense of uneasy disappointment came over her so absorbed was she watching the endless procession that she did not hear the door open nor become aware that du pare was in the room until joe's loud cries of mrs diamond mrs diamond made her look round a dark figure was standing in the doorway tempy started up joe put down his brush and susanna with a clear sense of ease and tranquillity turned from her window and faced her new friend blushing a little looking more beautiful than he had ever seen her madame said du pare bowing very low as usual how do you do monsieur max said mrs diamond welcoming her visitor where is my mother is she not coming i was not able to see her when i called madame marney was in her room she sends a message and du pare brought out a folded scrap from his waistcoat pocket 
my darling susy do not wait for me i had rather not come i am keeping the boys for i expect their father home your loving mother p s i will call if i can and see the darling baby in the course of the day the note was disappointing but it was no use delaying any longer we are late says tempy starting up we ought not to have waited so long mr bagginall will be quite tired out i have been with monsieur caron i am sorry you delayed for me said du pare as usual only addressing susanna who was giving wilkins some parting directions as he took her cloak and her parasol from her faithful attendant max seemed preoccupied at first and unlike himself as they all walked along the street to the quay whence the steamers started susanna and the pursuit of pleasure were not at this moment the great preoccupations of his mind other things less peaceful less hopeful were daily closing up around him there was a terrible reality to him in his apprehensions all the more vivid because of his artistic qualities he belonged to the upper and more prescient classes while from experience and birth he was near enough to the people to understand the tones of his voice the wants of its daily life its angry rising and its present moods but by degrees being in susanna's company he brightened up love requires time and space if it is not able to accomplish absolute possibilities but it certainly makes the most of the passing lights and moments of life monsieur caron detained me over the proofs of his book said du pare you need not explain we have nothing to do but to amuse ourselves you have your work to attend to said susy gaily susanna had felt of late as if her relations with du pare were changed and it seemed quite natural that he should give her details of his day's work max too realized that he was someone in her life not a passer-by but a fellow-traveller the two might very well have walked out of one of the galleries of the louvre hard by she with her grecian goddess looks he of the dark southern head with the black hair that beaked nose the dark southern eyes so deeply set eyes that were hard and soft by turns and now at this moment not for the first time a sense of his reality of the importance of his presence of his good will of his approbation and acquiescence with her conclusions came over her there was a curious simplicity about du pare which impressed people either he said what he meant or he let you see that he mistrusted you and was silent he had great powers of work and a gift for enjoyment as well which is perhaps more rare and as he walked along by susy's side with his bright looks and his odd swinging gait he had seemed the very impersonation of a holiday-maker of a man at one with the moment they were crossing the great court of the louvre when a shadow came from behind a statue and a frightened woman starting out into the sunshine suddenly put on a trembling white hand for arms susanna and her young people from their english training were passing on they had a vague idea it was wrong to give to casual beggars but du pare stopped short why are you begging madame lebris said he roughly are you ill i am dying said the woman quietly my children are starving where is your husband you know better than i do she answered go home at once said du pare i will come and see you this evening he thrust a napoleon into her hand she took it with a weary look and he nodded and hurried after the others they were all standing a few yards off waiting for him i know the woman she is the wife of a man who has worked for me he said in french looking vexed and confused he had paid away his last gold piece and he had but a few sous left in his pocket 
how was he to go on with them and pay for his share of the dinner max had hardly recovered himself when he saw mr bagginall ah said he there is your friend and as he spoke our attache with an umbrella a grievance and a flower in his buttonhole came up to meet them from the steamer steps the holiday of the year had begun and with the sunshine the shores had quickened with green with song with the air with the stir of spreading life there were two or three young men and women and some children on board one or two experienced excursionists some housekeepers carrying their baskets a village wedding returning home after the ceremony as the steamer stopped at each landing-place in turn the company passed off the boat scarcely as one remained by the time they were nearing st cloud joe was practising his french upon the man at the wheel tempy much amused by the smoothly talkative and attentive mr bagginall sat somewhat mollified and relenting on a bench red-haired and parisian checked cotton dress and her big white umbrella open to shade her pink cheeks susy at the other end of the same bench sat smiling watching the lights and the shadows listening to the song of the birds at the wash of the ripples answering a word now and then when du pare who had been smoking at the other end of the boat came up to speak to her at first conscious of pecuniosity and also under the restraint of mr bagginall's presence he had kept silent and aloof now he began to talk again he told his stories along the shores pointed out the prettiest walks the pleasantest chalets where the parisians go on summer afternoons and dine and enjoy the sunsets in the sky while the fish come leaping from the river into their plates and the white wine flows into the glasses which the damsels bring with serious smiling looks and the white boats glide by and birds fly home to rest and the glorious sunset says come clink the glasses and quaff the golden wine ah do you know that place interrupted mr bagginall as max pointed out a restaurant with white balconies standing by the water's edge i am told it is first rate shall we dine there you will find a very good dinner max said the steamer travelled on between the shores and the new sunshine it was so early in the season that but few people were on board one of those glorious bursts of spring had overtaken them susy saw villas and amid budding sycamore trees with fringing poplars whitewashed walls terraces gardens breaking into flowers high roads whence people hailed the steamer with friendly signs she watched the pale blue spring sky the high floating clouds are you not afraid of being burnt said du pare susy opened her sunshade though she loved the sun was she awake or asleep was she herself the sad harassed bewildered lonely widow this happy being basking in this delightful invigorating present vivid admiration is a disturbing element sometimes we thankfully absorb the hour tranquilly exist to the uttermost while it lasts scarcely understand it all so sits susanna while the water beats fresh against the sides of the big boat and the warm sunlight comes quickening everything flows into the very soul of the hour that mysterious natural soul which people share with one another with place with time they travelled on peacefully in this floating companionship and sympathy while the new life stirred along the banks end of section 29